Our scripture this morning comes from Mark's gospel, as Chandler shared, and I want to invite you to turn there now to chapter 1 in the gospel of Mark and in the Bibles that you've brought with you from home, in your pew Bibles, or in your mobile devices. This is Mark chapter 1, beginning at verse 9. In those days, Jesus came from Nazareth of Galilee and was baptized by John in the Jordan. And just as Jesus was coming up out of the water, he saw the heavens torn apart and the Spirit descending like a dove on him. And a voice came from heaven, You are my Son, the Beloved. With you I am well pleased. And the Spirit immediately drove him out into the wilderness. He was in the wilderness forty days, tempted by Satan. And he was with the wild beasts, and the angels waited on him. Now after John was arrested, Jesus came to Galilee, proclaiming the good news of God and saying, The time is fulfilled, and the kingdom of God has come near. Repent and believe in the good news. Friends, this is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Well, as Chandler shared, this this gospel of Mark's, it moves quickly at at lightning speed. And and today's text is is certainly no exception to that. Jesus is, is baptized in the Jordan. The heavens are torn open. The Holy Spirit descends and a voice declares, Jesus the beloved Son of God. The Gospel writer says that that immediately the Spirit drives Jesus out into the wilderness for 40 days. Satan is present. Jesus is unsuccessfully tempted. Then John is arrested, and Jesus begins proclaiming the good news in seven verses. You know, it, it almost feels like a theatrical trailer for the actual story. Like an abridged version, at, you know, at each intersection, I'd like to hear a bit more. I, I want to hear a bit more about the Spirit descending, descending like a dove, a, a little bit more about Jesus engaging with Satan, a, a little bit more about what Jesus had to say that was such good news. But we don't, we don't get that. If, if you read on to verse 16, you you find Jesus recruiting some of the first disciples. But there is a sense, you know, there is a sense in in which the passage for today is is a summary of the the Christian life. We are are baptized and then then we begin making our way through life and, and are tested by the world. And hopefully along the way, we come to understand this good news that Jesus preached. The text is a reminder to us that our, that our baptism is, is only the beginning of a journey, that Brady's baptism at our 9.30 service is, is just the beginning for Brady. So how will we spend the time 
that we have. Lent, Lent is just the right time for us to ask these kinds of questions. The the Lenten journey which we've just begun is is one in which we are given this opportunity for, for reflection As I shared on Wednesday, it's a time for us to consider our our own stuff, our own messes, where God is seeking to refine us, to do a new thing in us. We are, as some put it, invited to, to join Jesus in these 40 days in the wilderness. And so we have in these next weeks an opportunity to be intentional if we will take advantage of it. This morning, I'd just like you to consider this question. Where is God seeking to refine you? Where in your life is is God seeking to refine you? I'd like to propose two things to you this morning is that one, most of us, most of us already know where God would like to do some work in our life. And And most of us know what it is we need to do about it. Most of us know where God would like to go to work, and most of us know what it is we need to do about it. And for all kinds of reasons, we resist. I have been on this fitness journey over the last six or seven years. And, and it's included, you know, how to, or, or gaining an understanding of how I can eat better, what, what, a, what a clean diet really looks like. It's, it's included some strength training, and it's included an awful lot of cardio. And I've learned a, a lot along the way about what I need to do and what I ought not to do in order to be in good physical shape, in in order to to take the best care of this body that God has given me. What I want to tell you this morning is that since August, I've put on about 25 pounds. And your chuckle tells me that you know it's not the good kind of 25 pounds. There is good weight, and this isn't it. And I know exactly where it has come from. All along the way, I've known exactly how to address it. Not only that, how to reverse it. And yet for a multitude of reasons, I've chosen not to. I want to be really clear, I have chosen not to. 
I've justified not doing all the things that I know to do in in myriad ways. Maybe you're really good at that too. Well, just this week, I met a fellow runner. Um, And I don't think I've, I've sort of shared this experience in here before, but... Many days that I run, I'll, I'll run down on A1A, and I run about the same time of day, so I'm in the same geographical location as, at about the same time, and, and so I, I run into, quite literally, right, um, a similar group of people. There's about 25 people that I see on a, on a pretty frequent basis, and I don't know most of their names. We say hello to each other as we pass one another on the sidewalk, and, and that's about it. But because of our routine, I I see some of these people more than I see some members of my own family. And on those occasions when I finally do run into them in in the real world, it's like a celebrity sighting. I get so excited. Hey, you, it's me, yellow shirt, 5.30 a.m., A1A, remember me? We then exchange names and, and get to talk a little. And so just this week, I had that experience, and, and I sat down with this particular gentleman, and, and we got to visiting a little bit, and, and he was sharing some of his story, and he, he shared with me that since January 1st, he'd lost 37 pounds. It's like seven weeks. And I, like you, was amazed, and I, I said, how did you do that? What have you been doing? What did you change? Is it diet? Is it exercise? And, and he answered, yeah, it's a mix of both. And um, I said, well, how much have you been running? And he said, well, I, January 1, I, I decided that I was going to run every single day in January. And, and so I decided on January 1 to run 13 miles. And I decided I was going to do this every single day of the month. I said, well, how much had you been running before that? He said like 15 to 20 miles a week. So since January 1, this gentleman has now run nearly 800 miles. It's astounding. And it goes against everything I know about how to increase your exercise. The experts, and I put that in quotation marks, say you should only up your your weekly mileage by about 10% in order to take it easy on your body. And so I said that to him. I said, "How, how are you not getting hurt? He said, I know what you're thinking. I've, I've heard the 10% rule, and he said, I, I, I've just tried to be really intentional about listening to my body. You know, my genetic makeup is a little bit different than somebody else, and, and for me, I'm just trying to pay attention to that, and I, I haven't been getting hurt. He said, seven, 800 miles, it's just, it seems a bit radical. And yet he's doing it. He's doing it. It's not impossible. And it occurred to me that in our own Christian walk, so often we, we listen to what the world tells us we should be able to do or what we shouldn't be able to do. But as I read it, this gospel message is pretty darn radical and calls us to do some pretty radical things. Love your neighbor. 
pray for those who persecute you. This gentleman had simply decided enough was enough. He wasn't going to take any more rest days. I loved what he said here. He said, you know what, Nick? When there's no rest days, there's no bargaining with myself every morning. He gets up and goes. He knows that's a day he's going to exercise because he does it every day. I'm good at that bargaining thing. At 5 a.m. in the morning, I come up with a lot of good reasons not to get out of bed. Friends, there is something pretty radical and extreme about the gospel message. And, and back to this original question, you know, where is God seeking to refine you? What are some of the reasons that you've come up with not to act on it? I think you know, or at the very least have an idea. Matt Fitzgerald is a a pastor in Chicago, and he shared these lines from a Richard Wilbur poem in a recent journal article. And it occurred to me as I was reading, you know, poetry has this power to illumine truths that that prose seem to only brush up against. So here this, it's just a couple lines. We milk the cow of the world, and as we do, we whisper in her ear, you are not true. Hear that again. We milk the cow of the world, and as we do, we whisper in her ear, you are not true. You know, there are so many things that we do, choices that we make, ways that we live that, that we know are not consistent with who God is calling us to be, and yet we do them anyway. You are not true. We spend time justifying, convincing, ignoring, and all other manner of things in order to allow ourselves to continue Meanwhile, continuing to put on that proverbial sinful weight. Who is God calling you to become? Where is God seeking to refine you? The good news is, is just as the Spirit accompanied Jesus into the wilderness, God promises the Holy Spirit to help us along the way. So what are we waiting for? Maybe you're one daying it. Well, one day I'm really gonna. One day when the time is just right. One day when the kids are out of the house or, or one day when we finally have kids or one day when I find the right person or one day when I... And since becoming parents, Amy and I have, have read a few different parenting books. I think I've shared that with you before. And, and she read me this 
funny story that, that came from a book that she'd been reading called Love and Logic. It's a book by Foster Klein and Jim Kay. And in the book, they were, they were making the argument for, for just getting started when it comes to, to building new and good habits, when it comes to doing those things that we know that we're supposed to be doing. And the authors recounted an interaction between a prospective trombone student and the trombone teacher. The trombone student was, was conflicted about whether or not to, to start at all. And the teacher said, you know, listen, I can teach anyone to play the trombone in five years. I can do that. And the prospective student replied, well, I'll be 55 years old in five years. To which the teacher responded, well, how old will you be in five years if you don't learn to play the trombone? We come up with all of these reasons that sure seem good to us in the moment. The clock is ticking. Who are you becoming? What habits are you cultivating, whether intentionally or unintentionally? And what are you waiting on? This Lenten season, we want to invite you to participate with us. We want to invite you to grow with us. If you're not yet involved in a small group, then, then we'd love for you to be involved in our Wednesday night small group Lenten experience. Over the next weeks leading up to Holy Week, we'll meet across the street at 5.30 for dinner and 6.30 small group looking at the final teachings of Jesus that lead Jesus to Jerusalem and the cross. Are you spending time in daily scripture? Why not? You can use the church app. It's on your phone. I know you know where your phone is. If you're like me, it's pretty much with you at all times. There's a Bible app on there. If you start the Gospel of Mark tomorrow and read half a chapter every day, not including Sundays, you'll read the whole Gospel of Mark before Easter. Are you praying? Set an alarm every day for 1.13, reminding you of Mark 1.13, Jesus' journey out into the wilderness, and pray. Pray that you'd be made aware of the Spirit's presence in your life. Who is God calling you to become? And what is God calling you to do about it? As I close this morning, I want to invite you, if, if you would like, in your bulletin, you'll find a prayer of preparation. And if you're ready to take the next step, if you're ready to discover what God has in store for you and what God is calling you to do about it, I'd invite you now to pray it with me in unison. Friends, let's pray. The season of Lent is here again. And I'm unsure if I'm ready for this journey of discipleship. 
So many things stand in the way of taking the steps of faith. Help me to remember that Christ is with me every step of the way. I am not alone. Christ will help lift my heart and spirit and direct my path. Enable me, loving Savior, to take this journey of faith to new life with you. Amen. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.